Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Romans chapter 3. We're continuing and finishing up today a series on legalism. And so Romans chapter 3 says this. This is Paul's letter to the churches meeting in Rome. It says this, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And pay attention to this verse. Verse 20 says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So whatever you do, you you do great things to the Lord, doing those things, carrying out these rules and laws, you will never be declared righteous by that. Rather, through the law, here's the purpose for the law, rather through the law we become conscious of our sin. So when you look at the law, the Old Testament, the New Testament rules and restrictions and all these things we're supposed to do, if you keep all of them, which you can't, you would never be declared righteous. It's only by looking at the law and and realizing you're coming short that you become conscious of sin. Let's finish it out. Verse 21 says, But now apart from the law of righteousness of God, uh, but apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So how do you get righteous? It's given to you by your belief in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is no difference, Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some of you probably have that memorized. And we are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that we don't have to work and try to keep rules which we know we would break in order to appease you for salvation's sake. But Lord, you give us salvation when we believe upon you and you Uh, credit that to us as righteousness. You give us righteousness when we believe in you. And Lord, we want to serve you. And Lord, when we're serving you and we feel like we're doing good, may we never become self-righteous or legalistic about our serving you, about following rules. But may we be humbled under your law. May we be humbled under your righteousness and your perfection. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. So let me tell you a story. Um, it goes back a couple years. Uh, like 2002, New Life Church put out a, like a, a directory. Did, did anybody ever do the directory way back in the day? <laughs> like at your church? It was kind of like way before Facebook or the, the internet kind of stuff uh, where you actually had like a yearbook. And so we did that as a, as a church in New Life way back in 2002. And I was around then and I was really big into skiing. And I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if people knew me. <laughs> Here's the picture. This is me. This <laughs> What a circus. It's not like everybody's wearing ties and nice, and I wore my winter skiing jacket and goggles on my head like an idiot. Um, but I just, I was so into skiing way back then that I wanted, I, was, I had good days and bad days 
based upon how well I skied like that weekend. I took off uh, like a whole winter in between graduating college and working on my master's degree. I took off a whole winter and went skiing like every single day, literally every single day, uh, if, if not twice a day. And my whole like life was reflected around how well I was skiing that day or that week. And I skied with like really good skiers, the guys that would become ski patrol and work at the resort and become instructors and all these things. So I skied with really good guys and we would encourage each other and uh, push each other and try to get better at better skiing and doing things. And one day had a great day. It turned into a horrible day, but you'll see uh, skiing with my buddies. We talked about doing this jump. It was kind of like a natural cliff jump kind of thing. And we were all too scared to do it. And one day I was like, I'm going to do this jump. And so I did the jump. Woo! Landed it perfectly. The guys were like, yeah, sweet. Great job, Joe. And we go down to the lift to get on the lift. And all the guys were stopped. Like before they get on, like there was like they weren't going into the line yet. They were stopped. And I thought, oh, they're just going to congratulate me again. Um, and it's say, yeah, way, way to go, Joe, for doing the jump. And so I go down like, yeah, what's up, guys? And I didn't realize that they had closed the lift line. That's why they were outside of the line. They put this little rope like right across the little thing where they corrals you in. And I didn't see the rope. And it was right about chest high. So I'm like, yeah, guys. And I was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it like catches my chest and the neck and I'm like, ah, laying down on the ground. And so I went from the best day ever doing the jump to like the worst day ever because the guys all day long kept replaying it. It was like, hey guys, who am I? Yay! Oh! <laughs> and how is it like that when our, like, uh, like our spiritual life, like we have great days and we have bad days and it's, it's like a roller coaster sometimes that many of us would say, our faith is like a roller coaster. We have these highs when we feel like, oh, we just did something great for the Lord and we're doing so good and God must be so happy with us. And then we mess up and we sin and we just feel like, oh, God must hate me. I must have lost my salvation. I'm sure those thoughts maybe go through your head at times like, oh, am I even saved anymore? I'm just feeling horrible. This roller coaster of the Christian life. And so today's message, as we uh, conclude our topic on legalism, I'm going to talk about these highs we go through and how so easy it is for us during these high moments when everything's going well and spiritually we think we're doing so great for us to become legalistic and self-righteous. And friends, that is not what we should do. We should humble ourselves. And then the same is true for these lows in our Christian life. When we really mess up, we feel like, oh, you know, how can I ever come to God? How can God even forgive a person like me? I must have lost my salvation. Well, Christ is constant. And so today's message, you'll hear that theme again and again, that Christ is the one who is perfect. He is the one who loves us. He does not change. So that's, that's the bigger point of today's message. So welcome to the Mill Sunday School, everybody that's in here. If you're new, um, and this is your first time, there's cards. Uh, I think they're on your table, or maybe they're in the back uh, for you to get. We'd love for you to fill one of those out. And then there's a gift bag we'll give to you with our senior pastor wrote a book. His book's in there. And you could get on our email list. I'll send you an email and uh, tell you more about college and 20-somethings ministry here at New Life. Uh, as far as community goes, if you're new, right after this service, most of us go to the 11 o'clock service across the way in the big building. We go to big church, and we usually sit in section 10. So if you're by yourself, we'll just join somebody walking over there, and we'll probably end up at section 10 together. And finally, on your tables, there's a, well, we've updated the mill 
college of 20-something small groups, and so we think small groups are an important way for you to be in community. So if you're not in community and um, you would like to be, well, there's like a list of like 10 or so groups there that you can find out more about and show up. Some of them are girls groups or guys groups or service groups or small groups or Bible studies or dinner groups. So do that. And finally, as far as announcements, last announcement, next month we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. And this uh, along with the Bible, of course, will be our textbook. And so if you want to get Celebration of Discipline uh, by Richard Foster, that would well, I'm going to refer to this book a lot, and it's a great read. How many of you have heard of this book or read it? Lots of hands. It's, it came out a long time ago, uh, the year I was born, actually, 1978. And it's been kind of the text for when it comes to spiritual disciplines. And uh, so Celebration of the Disciplines. I found it on Amazon for Ascent. So you could probably get it for a cent. And then the shipping and handling is like $15 or something weird. But um, just kidding. The shipping and handling was like $4. But it's really cheap. So get it if you want. If you're really nerdy and want to do some reading and, and be on topic with us next month, this would be a great read. So this month, this last Sunday, we're going to talk about legalism. We have been talking about legalism. And I want us to, today to reflect internally. The last two messages, the last two weeks, we've thought about, okay, don't judge others. Like, we might think we're righteous. Don't judge others. And then the last week's message was, um, it was, it was more in line about, well, how do we correct a brother or sister? Let's not judge them, but what about when correction needs to happen? Today's message is more of an internal, uh, inter or intra perspective of how our spiritual lives are going. So I have a discussion question for you. So if you're at a small table, jump into a bigger table to, def- to find more discussion buddies and talk about this. This is to get us thinking about uh, what we do to please God. And there's, re- there's really no one answer for this. You, you may all, every single person here might have a different answer, but what do you think is the greatest thing you can do for God? And I want you to be specific because you could just say something very general like uh, love. It's like, yeah, that's a great answer, but how? How do you love to, to, how is that one of the greatest things you can do for God? How, how much more specific can you get? Who do you love? How does that, what does that look like? So be specific. You could be, you could go from the broad, but try to go to the specific in your conversation. So think about it and discuss it. Ready? Gazette? Discuss. I have a microphone. Is anybody willing to share? Yeah, I see hands being raised all, all over the room. (laughs) Sorry, it's a preacher joke. (laughs) Here you go, Aaron. Miss Aaron Spurgeon. I got voted this role. Nice. So the guy who came up with this actually left our table. But (laughs) Bailey... Totally calling out people. I think he left the room. Bailey was saying the best thing that um, we can do, because really, there's nothing we can do. That God needs. Right. He doesn't need anything. So the best thing we can do is to basically die to ourselves and submit to God and what he wants. Yeah, like daily and, Yeah, and everything decisions. else falls, like, fills through that. Your fruit comes out of that. Good. So obeying God, laying down your life for God. Mm-hmm. Good. That's good. Wherever Bailey is, there he is. Good, good things. Good things, <laughs> Bailey. Um, what else? Miss Crow? Well, God's teaching me to love others the way he does. Yeah. And so I think one of the examples is to love people like God loved them. Yeah. Even when the situation gets difficult, we should look at it the way God does. Good. Yeah. That's a great answer. So love your enemies. Love like God would love. That's good. Anybody else? Yes. Miss Haley. I was going to throw the mic and I thought, someone got hurt. It just, you know, 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Well, we were talking about how um, when you, like, there's worship, and then there's, like, living in worship, and that's, like, you know, living your day for God, praising God in every second. Yeah. And I think that's the greatest thing you could do for God because you're living it, like, for Him. You're sharing the Word, and then you're praising Him. Good, yeah. So this idea of just worshiping Him continually throughout the day, like, don't make it a... Of course, we come to church, and there's music, and that we usually call that worship, but living the whole day in worship before the Lord. These are great answers. And if any of... I liked Miss Aaron's first answer because she said, there's really nothing we can do before God. God doesn't need us. And the verse that I read to begin Sunday school uh, said this, that if there's... Therefore, no one is declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So that's a good reminder. Like, we can think about serving him and maybe doing something great for the Lord. Uh, maybe some of you at your table said, oh, we could evangelize. That would be a great thing for the Lord. We could lead others to Christ. How great would that be as a work for the Lord? We could worship him continually throughout the day. How great would that be? We could serve him and lay our lives down. How great is that? Yes, those are all great things. But by no means would those things save us. And we've been talking about legalism, and this will hopefully wrap it into what I'm saying right now. And we started this month saying there's two types of legalism, two definitions of legalism. And the first one is the one we're going to concentrate and kind of wrap up today. This first type of legalism is this internal perspective of our spirituality. And it's when we attempt to attain or keep salvation by the excessive keeping of rules and holiness codes. Like if we have this um, ideas lined up for the day, like, oh, I need to do this and this and this all for the Lord— and I do all those things, well, then you become maybe, I know I do, I'm guilty of this, becoming self-righteous. Like, yes, I completed that. I did this great thing for God. And then there's this self-righteousness that can come. And maybe like, oh, well, I'm saved more than other people are saved because I've done these great things. And that's legalism. That's not right. We, we are to come to the Lord with all humility and knowing that he alone saves us by our faith. And type two is what we've been talking about. It's the judging others. It's holding others with contempt. But today, it's more of this internal perspective of, of how do we view our own spirituality? How do we stop and, and take a breather and say, okay, how are we doing spiritually is this question I'm going to ask you today. Because here should be our goal, to do great things for God and not be legalistic. Doing great things for God and not being legalist. And we're going to break this down today and say, okay, what are the great things? How do we do great things for God? But then when we do them, how do we look at our Christian lives and not become self-righteous or become legalistic? Thinking about this roller coaster of our spirituality, I'm sure many of you have experienced highs and lows spiritually. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced highs and lows. Of course, all of us. If you're a believer, even if you're not a believer, I'm sure there's times of heightened spirituality and times of just like feeling like, oh, life's going nowhere, spiritually speaking. Um, when you do something great for, for God, you feel like on the spiritual high. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? I know I've been on mission trips and felt this like, oh, God must love me extra much right now. I must be really saved because I'm going on this mission trip and I'm serving and it's hot and it's, it's, <laughs> I'm just doing great things for God. Uh, Dr. Foley's back there, Kinsey. I, we just got back from Haiti, a mission trip. And we, I just I was like, yes, we're doing these great things for the Lord. And then like the next day you come back and you have like a fight with your parents or something and you just feel like, oh, 
it's all been undone. Like all these great things I've been did, now it's all undone. I yelled at my parents or whatever sin you want to fill in the blank with. And it's just like, oh, it's just, you come to the spiritual low. This week I was, I, I was feeling really good. On Wednesday I'd had, uh, I meet with guys once a month. We've been meeting for like 11, 12 years or something, accountability. And we just shared how we were doing good spiritually. And it was like, yes, we had accountability. I'm doing good spiritually. Yes. And then I think it was like the next day, um, Jay was beating up, or it was Friday, Jay would beat up Rowan and bit his back and scratched him. It's like, oh, like as a parent, you just feel like, oh, I've messed up. He's going to, he's not going to be a Christian. He's going to be a backbiter. <laughs> so like, <laughs> literally. Um, but of course, we all, if, if you were to think about this week and evaluate this week in your own spiritual life, you'd probably have highs and lows this week. You, the highs being probably after you did something great. For the Lord, maybe you got up early one of the mornings and did a quiet time. And it's like, yes, I did that. I had this quiet time. Or before bed, you, you know, checked the box of this quiet time. Or maybe you had a, a great time if you were on, there on Friday at, during worship. It was just like, oh, I, I came before the Lord and I worshiped. And I was on this high, spiritually speaking, how great that was. And there's lots of things we can do for the Lord. And um, the other part of this sentence is to not become legalistic. But there's great things to be done for the Lord. Consider the Old Testament and all the rules and laws God has for his people. Someone counted in 300 uh, AD, a, a rabbi counted all, the, and I, it's interesting, would, would he count doubles? Does he not count doubles? What about a sentence with two commands? Is that one command or, or two, two actual commands? He numbered all the commands and rules in the Old Testament, of course, starting with the famous Ten Commandments, Then working from there, what are other rules and laws that the Lord commands us to do? And he came up with the famous 613 rules of the Old Testament. Uh, In Hebrew, it's called the mitzvot. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, The mitzvot is like the rules and laws, the regulations. Um, Things like the Ten Commandments, but things like uh, don't work on uh, the Sabbath. Wait, that's one of the ten. Things like don't muzzle an ox while it's... All these rules and restrictions, like if you have a wound on your body, like make sure you cover it with this and that. Make sure you don't eat lobster. Make sure you don't eat shrimps or shellfish or weird insects and all our pork and all these rules and restrictions. And to be a good Jew, you have to do those laws and restrictions. Of course, Jesus fulfills a lot of those. When he comes, he makes all food clean, for instance. And so what about the New Testament, though? There's rules that we need to keep. And you might say, oh, well, there's no rules to keep. You know, Jesus gives us freedom in the New Testament. Well, someone else counted, um, maybe not as famous as the third century rabbi, but someone counted, many people have counted the rules and regulations in the New Testament. One particular website I found said that there was 1,050 uh, 1, New Testament commands or rules and they list them all out. You could, you could find this on the Googles if you wanted to. Uh, there's like things to abstain from. Abstain from sexual immorality. There's the 30 be-nots, like the be-not a hypocrite. There's the be-likes, be like a faithful servant. There's the bees, like the 30 or 40 bees, like be baptized, uh, be this way. Um, there's the do-nots, do not commit adultery. Flee, there's like a bunch of flee from, free from idolatry. And all these rules and laws, and we as Christians seek and strive to follow them. And when we do follow some of them, when we have a great day, the other part of this sentence is, how do we not become legalistic? And by that, it's like the self-righteous 
legalism that, that can come uh, over us, and we think that the whole spiritual life, our whole Christian walk is about following rules, doing this and not doing that. And that's legalism. When we're so just torn away by, by the things that we do, and there's lots of Bible verses about this. So here's a few. Bible verses concerning self-righteous legalism. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.12. 1 Corinthians 10.12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. It's like, oh, you think you're doing good? Well, make sure you, you don't fall. Which kind of goes along with like pride cometh before the fall, which is a proverb. Proverb 16.18. Pride goes before Destruction is how it's worded usually. Or Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say that every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith God has distributed to each one of you. Or a longer passage, Jesus talking to the rich young ruler, which is found in, uh, I think, three of the four Gospels, but Matthew 19 is where it's found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 22-ish. A man comes up to Jesus, to make the short story sh- short, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, um, keep the Ten Commandments, keep the law. And he says, which ones? And Jesus says, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother. And this man... And love your neighbor as yourself. This, this man says, I have kept all of these. It's like, really? You've never told one little fib. You've never, you know, Jesus compared adultery to just looking at someone lustfully. You've never even looked at someone lustfully. You've kept all these commandments. You've never even stole a tiniest little thing, like not even a pencil from work. Like, really? G- this young man is saying, yeah, I've kept all of the law, which is near impossible, if not totally impossible, because we learned today that the purpose of the law is to show us our sin, that we might come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness and not come before the Lord righteously, thinking we can keep all these rules. So Jesus responds like this. He, uh, he says, what else do I lack? Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, which if you loved your neighbor as yourself, you probably would have already done that, don't you think? Probably. Uh, and the man goes away very sad because he had great wealth. So it's like this turning the table on, on, on his own words. The man thinks he has kept the whole law, but of course he hasn't. Jesus really wants him to respond with uh, humility and forgiveness. And instead he responds with going away sad, thinking that he has to work for his own salvation. Matthew 23, very famously, Jesus talks about the Pharisees and then to the Pharisees. Jesus says in Matthew 23, then Jesus talked to the crowds. So he's not talking here to the to the, to the Pharisees, but he says, the teachers of the, teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be very careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do as they do it, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for other people to see. They make their phylacteries wide, which is like, have you ever seen a uh, like an Orthodox Jewish person have this box on their forehead. It's the it's the words of the 
uh, Torah written and folded neatly into this box, and then they put it on their forehead. So the Pharisees were making them huge just to show off that they, they follow the law. And they make the tassels on their garments long, another show of re- religiosity. And then they place, uh, they, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. And they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace as everyone calls them rabbis. Don't do it that way. Don't do your good works for show. Don't hold on to your good works as if that is what saves you. But instead, come before the Lord with forgiveness. Come before the Lord in humility, asking for forgiveness. Let me tell you one more story. I was in Florida a long time ago um, in my college years. I was visiting in Florida for the summer, which is a bad time to go see Florida, by the way. Um, But anyways, I met a guy who was a street evangelist. He carried a sign, something like this. Uh, this particular sign says repent or perish. And he carried a sign, something like that. If I can remember light, rightly, it's like a, kind of like a hellfire and brimstone message that he had for people that passed by. And he came to our church and was talking and kind of bragging about the ministry he did as if we all didn't have any sort of ministry or any, he was the one who was like the highest Christian there. He's kind of bragging about how he had not sinned in like five months. He was like bragging, I haven't sinned in five months. And I was like, whoa, really? Like, how does that work? And he was like, "Um, well, I just don't sin. And if you do sin, well, you lose your salvation. Christ hates you. You're going to go to hell. You need to re-apologize every time you sin. He was really into this works-based salvation, I think by definition, a legalist. And he was going on and on about, like, how he had not sinned in these five months. And I was like, really? Like, you haven't even, like, looked at someone lustfully? You haven't even told a fib of any kind? And he was like, no. He just got really mad, and he started cussing at me. (laughs) I was like, like he said, GD. Like, no, aren't you listening? And I was like, well, there goes the five months. (laughs) And he was like, what? I didn't sin. This is a righteous anger, brother. And he was just like over the top. And I was just like, this is really weird. And if you, if you go to the South, there's a lot of weird uh, people in the South anyways, but this is, <laughs> just kidding. Um, this guy was just out of control, like such a legalist. And it was easy to just see it come out of him in such a way that like here he was swearing and cussing at me, using the Lord's name in vain and not thinking that was a sin. Like he didn't want to confess that that would have been a sin because then he would have broke his five month record or whatever. Um, it was just such a, like a horrible way of viewing spirituality and salvation. And he thought he had it all right. He's bragging about his sinlessness. And I just thought that's exactly what God doesn't want us to become. To, to, to think we're doing so great before him that we become prideful and legalistic and self-righteous. So here's one more discussion question for you, um, for you at your table. This one, kind of along with the other one, it just says this, what is your criteria for doing good spiritually? That's one of the questions I ask. Sometimes I'll meet with guys in my office or coffee or something, and uh, I'll just ask this question, how are you doing spiritually? And they'll respond, oh, I'm doing good or I'm doing bad. And then I'll say, well, well, what makes you think you're doing good or doing bad? What criteria do you have if you're just in conversation for, with someone? It's like, uh, if, if you say, for instance, oh, I'm doing good spiritually right now. Well, what is the criteria you're using to judge your own spiritual life? So discuss that at your tables. I know it's, a, it's somewhat of a vulnerable question, at least a little bit. So discuss that. Ready? Get set. Discuss. 
All right, so I realize this is more of a personal question, so if, you, if you're not comfortable with sharing, that's okay. No one has to, but I thought I would give the opportunity if someone had something at the tables that was interesting, that they wanted to share, the criteria, maybe you personally, or maybe someone else in your life that you know of uses for doing spiritually good. Anybody? Yes, thank you. I'd say for me, the biggest thing is gauging my prayer life, feeling like where, where's my prayer going? Is it from here to the wall or is it something that I feel like it's a conversation? Am I open to receiving? Am I opening to listening? Um, And for me, that's just a starting point because from there it's gauging, well, how's my time in the word been? Has it been non-existent or has it been something that the spirit has prompted me? So there's a lot of different things and it's different for every person. But for me, those are two starting points. Yeah, prayer, and then how your prayer life is going, and what was the other one? Like what you're getting out of the word. What you're getting out of the word. Good. Those are great, great criteria. Anybody else? Over here. Okay. This is my wife, Erica. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, what I shared was just that I used to think. Doing good spiritually meant checking the box, getting in your quiet time every day. And now, as a mother of two, that is nearly impossible. (laughs) And the Lord has just shown me that um, it doesn't have to look that way, but just to have a life that is submitted to Him and involve Him in my thoughts and decisions and just processes throughout the day and just be in communion with Him and fit those special moments with Him where I can, but... It doesn't have to look like a quiet time where you sit down for an hour and get interrupted by your three-year-old, you know, sure. whatever. So yeah. just good. having grace. Yeah. I think that's, I think early on in my spiritual life, I would judge my entire spirituality based upon whether I got up that morning and read the Bible or not. And I realized that I was at some point becoming a little legalistic about that. Like I would think, oh, like if I missed my quiet time and something bad happened, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't do my quiet time. The devil has is, is got a foothold. And I don't know. I think that, that the, these equations that we have for ourselves, and I knew like back in the day, like I was really big on like the morning quiet time devotion, which is not a bad thing at all. Maybe many of you have quiet time devotions, and I have them still today. But I remember being very legalistic about it and just thinking, oh, if I accidentally miss that quiet time, then I, God doesn't like me anymore. And if I found out another Christian didn't do a morning quiet time, I, would just kind of, I wouldn't judge them out loud, but I'd just be like, well, you're really not a real Christian because you don't get up and have a quiet time. Whereas some of us aren't morning people. Some of us have quiet times at other times of the day. In fact, there's lots of other times during the day to have a quiet time or to, to strive for that. And here's what I want to say. All that we can bring to God is but like filthy rags. There's this verse in Isaiah 64, 6. And you could do the Hebrew study on those words, filthy rags, and be really grossed out later if you want to do that and be nerdy. But Isaiah 64, 6 says this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And that's, that's saying a lot. That's comparing these great things we can do for God and, and having these goals and dreams and like, oh, I want to do this for the Lord and that for the Lord. Well, all these righteous acts 
are, are kind of like filthy rags. And the passage goes on to say, if, if God isn't your God and, and you don't worship the one true living God, then everything you do, all, all your righteous acts are like filthy rags. They really don't matter. Here's another way to say it by a really nerdy guy. So here's your nerd alert of the day. Do you guys know Tim Keller? He's a nerd, and I mean nerd as a really good thing. Uh, a Christian, being a Christian nerd is someone who takes faith seriously and studies. And um, So how many of you know, have heard of Tim Keller before? A couple of you. He is the pastor of a pretty big church in uh, downtown New York City in Manhattan. He's been called um, the most successful pastor in Manhattan, which is, by the way, a very hard place uh, to, to be a Christian and to have a church. Um, just because of the society and the community in the New York City. Uh, sometimes he is called the C.S. Lewis of the 21st century, which is saying a lot. He's a nerd. And he a- answers this question, which I think ties us in to what we're really talking about today. This question here, does God forgive habitual sin? And Tim Keller just responded really geniusly. I saw the, I think, I think it was a YouTube or uh, a podcast of Tim Keller responding to this question. Someone asked him, does God forgive habitual sin? Habitual sin would be, uh, we sin, we mess up, we ask God for forgiveness. And in that moment of forgiveness, we really mean it. We're really serious about being sorry before God. And then maybe some time passes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day, Maybe it's a year later, you fall into the same exact sin and find yourself asking the Lord for this forgiveness for the same exact sin. So Tim Keller's asked, you know, what, what about these kinds of sins that Christians find themselves in that are habitual? Sin again and again and ask for forgiveness. Sin and then ask for forgiveness. And he says something along the lines of this. He says that... Um, our God's forgiving us is not based upon the purity of our prayer, but on the purity of Jesus alone. God forgives us on the basis of the purity of Jesus, not the purity of asking for forgiveness. And we should really evaluate how sorry we are. That's what Tim Keller goes on to say. If we're really in, in these habitual sins and we're asking for forgiveness, he says we should really evaluate that forgiveness process, like when we are before the Lord asking for forgiveness, do we really mean it? Are we really sorry? Are we really um, thinking about how much this grieves the Lord? But in the end, we're not forgiven based upon how pure our prayer is for forgiveness. We're, we're forgiven and made clean by how pure Jesus is. That Jesus is the unchanging God. He remains the same and his forgiveness is ever before us. There's that verse that says, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And he loves us. And he forgives us when we ask. And of course, we need to reevaluate how sorry we really are and how much it grieves the Lord when we ask for forgiveness. But we should walk away forgiven. We should walk away knowing that it's never by our works that we're saved, but it's by our faith in the Lord. So to conclude today... And we'll end just a little early today. I think our goal to not becoming a legalist, like we have these highs and a roller coaster of our spiritual life. We have this high where we just finished a mission trip 
or we just uh, read a big passage of scripture, or we just got up early and had this great quiet time, or we went to church and just had this awesome time with the Lord and we're on this spiritual high, to not become self-righteous, not to make uh, other people feel lower than us because we had this experience and they did not. And the same is true for, for when we're in these spiritual lows and we're just thinking, oh, we're just messed up again and again. And Christ must be turning his back on me. How can salvation be extended to someone like me, a sinner? Well, let's look upon Christ. He is the constant. He has the perfect forgiveness to give us even in our imperfection. And so I'm going to read the passage. I I kind of promised you that I would end every Sunday this month reading uh, this passage of uh, the two men who went to pray. We started off this month reading this passage, and we've, end at, we've ended every Sunday school this month reading this passage. And so we will read it once again um, because it's so beautiful. And it's this parable Jesus tells to people who think that they are self-righteous, which is all of us at some point, thinking we have it all together, thinking we and, and Jesus are buddies, you know, like the, the shirt, Jesus is my homeboy. Like, oh, and why is he homeboy? Because I do so good, because I, I get up early and I study the Bible, because we're like this, because, you know, I go to church, or whatever it is, we think we are so, you know, righteous because of the works we're doing. Jesus told this parable. Luke 18, starting in verse uh, 9, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, today as we conclude this uh, month of studying legalism, Lord, keep it so far from us, Lord, that we may never become legalists to other people and, and, and judge other people, that we may never become legalists to ourselves and think that we have to abide by all these rules for salvation. But Lord, you give us salvation freely, and what you really seek for us is for us to come before you humbly and asking for mercy. Lord, that we may not look at a list of rules and become righteous, thinking we've done some of them, but Lord, may we look at your law, that we may look at your word of God and realize that you are a perfect God, a perfect being, and we are not. We've fallen short, and we need to come before you humbly and on our knees and say, Lord, forgive us. We are sinners. Have mercy on us. Lord, we thank you that you do forgive us. You treat us like sons and daughters, that we're in your family, not based upon the good works we can accumulate, but we're based we base our faith in you and your forgiveness that we are members of your family because you've made us so. So, Lord, we worship you. We praise your holy name. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. 
more podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.